Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. Am I coming across with some volume? Can you hear me? That's great. Like you, I have never been through a time like this with a change of monarch. I am not that old. She's always been the queen. And uh, what has moved me is the way in which so much of our life as a nation has been bathed in godly principles from time back. It's almost like a wake-up call to this nation that our root system is bathed in the scriptures, in the value of who Jesus is, and in the role of the church in this nation. And many people have thought it irrelevant and immaterial, but it's almost like there is a call back to our true identity that we may be a nation that serves the Lord our God and him alone. And I so value people who have come here from the Commonwealth, who understand very often this principle more clearly than we do, that it's the name of Jesus that is the name above every other name. And that is our desire that at this time, the transition shall be one of an increase of the the government of God. Um, I so value the comments that have come that the queen has been like a mother. Politics can be so divisive. Do you need to say much more than that? You're well aware of how societies can come so easily be divided by political perspectives. But the queen, the common theme is she's been a mother. And that there's a unifying and a gathering element that she carries as a mother. And of course, this is all because she's come to know Jesus and she's come to know the Father from whom all good things come, including the mothering that has been in her reign. And so I'm so glad to be, we are so glad to be among you today as a family to journey this, to experience this, celebrate this together. And um, I'm reminded of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, holy, sanctified is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What I take from this prayer is that heaven's kingdom, heaven's relational government is all to do with family. It starts with our Father. God is not after a church as an institution, as an organization, as some kind of 
formal activity. Our Heavenly Father wants family. And if as church we move away from family, we move away from kingdom. Because his kingdom is all about a father and his family. And he sends his only begotten son for us as a gift to us so that we can be reconciled to the one who is our creator and redeemer, our father, that we get connected to the father. And anything that does not connect us more deeply to the Father does not represent the nature of his kingdom. And I'm so glad to be here today because I feel in being among you, I'm part of family. In this city, this is family to me. And family represents the very nature of God. He's a father. His desire is to see his whole family reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ. And the fact that we've been born again, those of us that have come to know Jesus, we've been born again, we've been born from above. And the desire of the father is that in being born from above, we grow into the fullness of all he's intended us to be. I, for one, am still on that journey. I'm in this process of beholding and becoming. The more we see him, the more we understand we are to be transformed to be like him. And the the father sent his only begotten son so that in joining in relationship with him and with the father, we become transformed to become the sons of God. This is my conviction. The son of God became a son of man so that sons of men can become sons of God. Our destination is to be conformed to his image. Our destination is to become like him. He wants the earth, the Father wants this earth to be filled with a family that look like Jesus. So what I have in my heart to speak to you today is the very simple phrase, primary identity. I want to open up a little bit on what is our primary identity now that we are in Christ. Because the truth is, His identity is to be our identity. His life is to be our life. His anointing is to be our anointing. The anointing of the Spirit that was on Jesus is to be the anointing of the Spirit that's on us. That is the the 
the plan of God. That is his provision for us. And our challenge is that if we don't see primary identity in who God has made us to be in Christ, then we get false identities from other sources. And the father wants his family back. He doesn't want his kids misshapen by the enemy's ploys and by humanistic thinking. He wants our lives to be shaped by his perspective of how he sees you. So that you're not living at a level less than what he intended you to be, but you're growing into the fullness of the stature of Christ because this is his plan for every one of his kids that they end up looking like Jesus. So what I want to share on is primary identity, and there's two things that are involved in this. One is identity, and the second thing is culture that comes from the identity. But identity is primary. Can I say this? The Lord does not want you to work on changing your behavior. He wants you to simply receive your identity and your behavior will change. Because if you receive what he's meant you to be, then that culture of his life in the spirit is going to transform us from the inside out. Again, I'm not speaking to you as an expert on this. I don't want you to think that. I'm speaking to you as a fellow traveler in this journey of becoming like him. I'm still on that journey. If we don't see it from heaven's perspective, if we see it from earth's perspective, we're going to have hierarchy in the church where some people are more important than others, and that does not represent God's family. Family is where the blood of Jesus is on each of us, and we honor what Jesus has made each person to be. And this is fundamental on church thriving. Yes, absolutely. So here we go. I want to take you to Hebrews because I want to highlight to you the identity of Jesus. And once we see what his identity is, then we can understand that if we're in Christ and Christ is in us, this true too is our true identity so that we do not have to be sideswiped by false identities that either people or the enemy wants to put on us. And I want to affirm today who you truly are by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus and by the calling of the Father and the anointing of the Spirit. So here we go. Hebrews 1 verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. In fact, the word his isn't even in the original language. He's spoken to us in Son. Son-wise, 
as somebody translated it, is the way that God has now chosen to speak. Why not a prophet? Because a prophet can't fully reveal a father, only a son can fully reveal a father. And God is not looking for just one son to reveal the father. He's looking for a family of sons. Ladies, when I say sons, I'm including you in this because sons are the ones that get the inheritance. So it's men and women equally are involved here. So for, for you ladies, you've got to get used to be calling sons. For us guys, our adjustment is we have to learn to be part of the bride of Christ. Because the bride is feminine. But men and women are part of the bride. So we've got to get over our sensitivities on this. Ladies, you're as much sons of God as us guys. Men, we are much as part of the bride of Christ as the ladies. And we get, respond, get to respond as men to the one who's the groom to our lives. Because we're part of the corporate bride. So Jesus comes as a son. The primary identity of Jesus is a son who constantly talks about his father. So Jesus could say, if you've seen me, I am such a chip off the old block, you've seen the father. I am here to represent what the Father looks like. And Jesus' greatest delight was to be known as the Son. You'd say the Son can do nothing except what he sees the Father do. This then is what the Son does, what the Father does. For Jesus... He was every one of the Ephesians four ministries. He was the apostle, the sent one from heaven to earth. He was the prophet, the one that spoke the words of the Father. He was the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. He was the teacher. Nobody talked like he did. He is the ultimate evangelist, and yet he doesn't choose any of those titles to be identified as. He wants to be identified as a son. I'd like to suggest to you, it's time that we put in the emphasis where Jesus puts his emphasis, that if he is delighted in being called a son, our primary delight is being sons to our Heavenly Father. And whatever gifting we might have as well, that is not our primary identity. Our primary identity is in our sonship. Because in this sonship, this is what Jesus says. It's John 15, verse 9, burnt into my heart as a result of my sabbatical 15 years ago. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The Father is agape, unconditional, eternal love. 
The Son is eternally loved by his heavenly Father and comes into a culture of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, and ignores it all because he comes to represent his Father and to love like he is loved. And says to his disciples, as I abide in my Father, you abide in me, and as you abide in me, you can abide in my love, and then it's your responsibility to love one another as I have loved you. This is about family. This is about living in agape. This is not about keeping to rules. It is abiding in relationship. This is the very heart of the Father, to have a family of sons men and women that are just like Jesus. And when people see it, it touches their very core. This is the reason why people are queuing up today to see a body of a queen in Westminster Hall because her Christ-likeness, her representing of the Father, her unconditional love to people, hear the stories of her grandchildren talk about she was the steadying influence in their lives because she represented the faithfulness of a heavenly Father. People will wait in queue and bow. I love it that England's former captain, David Beckham, would wait in queue for hours and hours and he would bow before his queen because she represented something of the divine into society. He might not know it, but it touched his heart. People are looking for something of the divine to touch their lives. How does it come? It comes by the sun's representing the father because they're abiding in the sun and loving unconditionally. This is our calling, beloved. To be sons of the Most High that we get to live like Jesus. Why? Because we're in him and he's in us and his identity is our identity. And it means this, that we've got to keep going on the journey of agape. It is agape, this eternal, unchanging love that's to shape us on the inside. I'm quoting Phil Yancey here. There is nothing you can do that can make him love you more. Nothing. And there is nothing you can do that can make him love you less. It's agape. That he wants our life's inward life to be shaped by agape. I need to move on. There's lots more we could say about it, but I'm just giving you it in seed form, okay? Let's go to chapter 5, and I want to point out another identity. Chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you, 
Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Firstly, he's a son. Secondly, he's a priest. But not a priest of the Aaronic order, the Levitical priesthood. He's a priest according to Melchizedek. It's a different order because it's not based upon who you were born to and were you in that in crowd. It comes from the basis of an indestructible life. And this is the life that Jesus has that he gives us. If he is a priest according to Melchizedek, we are priests with him. So what is it about priests? Well, first of all, it's an honor for them to be called to be priests. It's not something that you choose. It's you're called. It's a grace thing. It's a favor thing when a priest is called to be a priest. So the culture that he receives is one of grace and favor because unless he's called, he can't operate in his priesthood. And in this priesthood, he first of all, like we've done this morning, blesses God himself. And then, after blessing God, we can bless people. Having received grace, we can give grace. And Jesus comes, and John comments, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and of his grace we have all received and we all continue to receive from the grace that flows through him so that we can pour out grace into a society that's lost its understanding of what kindness looks like. It's to flow from the family of God. We're not here to criticize. We are not here to judge. We are here to bless. This is where the huge adjustment needs to take place. Church of Jesus Christ, you're no longer under law where you bring judgment. You're under grace of a new covenant where you bless. And we can bless people into relationships. Bless people into an encounter with the goodness of God. And I've had to stop myself from continuing with practices from childhood that I thought were spiritual, but they were just religious. Making judgments, condemning people for what they're not, is not spiritual. Right. It's religious and legalistic. That's right. Jesus blessed people when he saw them. He didn't condemn them. Because right. he was full of grace and truth. Yeah. I'd rather do God's job for him, which is blessing people, and allow him to bring conviction by the Holy Spirit than me do the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not my responsibility to try and convict people. He's a master at doing that. 
It's my responsibility to stand as a son in love and to stand in a son and bless because that is my true identity. Here's one more thing that I just want to share. Chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abram apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So here's the order. Jesus is first of all revealed as a son. His primary identity. He's also revealed as a priest that blesses us of his grace we've all received. He's called us not only to be sons, but to be called priests that bless our city, that bless our streets where we live, that bless our families that we live with. We're called to be fountains of blessing. But he's not only a priest, he's a king. King of righteousness and king of peace. That's who Jesus is. What is so fabulous to me is that I no longer have to establish my own righteousness. He is my righteousness. My righteousness, I am so insecure in it because I don't know if it pleases the Lord. I know that Jesus' righteousness pleases the Father all the time. Therefore, Jesus is my righteousness and Jesus is my peace. And I can love, receive it from him and love others. I receive grace and can bless. I can receive righteousness and release righteousness and receive peace and release peace. Now, I'm convinced that in life, God is Lord of all. Do you believe that with me? Yes. So I just want to say this. Last night, we had an experience in our hotel where we needed to call the police. I was awoken by, at quarter to three by a man who was banging the door down the corridors of our hotel saying, I want to speak to old John. Banging the door. Are you in here? Open the door. And he banged on our door commanded us to open the door. You can understand, at about quarter to three in the morning, you're not fully aware. And when you walk in like that, adrenaline kicks in because the first thought that I have is, I'm protecting my sweetheart. So I'm not going to open this door. Even though he's banging on it, demanding I open the door, 
I didn't do that. What I did, I rang the police. And thank you, Jesus, for our police force because they came and arrested the man, but not before there was a whole lot of mayhem because another person, bless his heart, didn't have the wisdom to keep his door shut and there was a huge altercation in the corridor. What happens is, of course, is that adrenaline kicks in and I didn't get to go to sleep much last night because I was so awake. But as I'm lying in bed, having called the police and have the police uh, were about to come, I'm speaking peace down the corridor. And the police came incredibly quickly. I'm so grateful. Arrested the man. The environment became subdued. But I believe my priesthood of speaking peace into that environment, of not allowing the environment to shape me, but allowing my heavenly environment of living in the Christ and his life living in me, speaking that out, helped to bring peace into that situation. Marge and I prayed that we would know his peace and that we would know the shalom that only comes from him. I want you to know this isn't intellectual, this is substance. Agape is substance. Shalom is substance. We can release it into environments and it can change the environment we release it in. Let me just say this, because it's in my heart. Being a king, which God has called every one of us to reign with him, reigning in righteousness and reigning in peace, means that I learn to reign over my body and bring God's government to my being. It does not mean that I reign over people. I do not reign over my wife. She lives under the reign of King Jesus. Reigning over people just simply brings control and manipulation and busts up relationships. If I can reign over me, I can release the environment of grace and love and righteousness and peace that I receive in me. I can then release it to others in the environment. It's not my responsibility to be king to somebody else's life. There is one king and his name is Jesus. But I'm responsibility responsible to bring his kingship to my life so that the, the fruit of what he pours into me can be felt first of all by my wife, by my kids and my grandkids and by everybody else that I meet, but I don't rule over them. It's my responsibility to love and to bless them because I live under the righteous reign of King Jesus. And so what I want to point out, this is primary identity. Jesus is a son, a priest, and a king. 
We've been called to share his primary identity as sons, priests who bless, and kings that rule in righteousness and peace. And what you do in church life is not unimportant, but unless it springs from your true primary identity as a son, as a priest, and a king, it's not going to be what God has intended it to be for the blessing of others unless you live in what is primary instead of focusing on what is secondary. And I'd like to say this. Elders and deacons and apostles are secondary to a son, a priest, and a king. And I bless you to enter into the fullness of your inheritance, to be like Jesus, to love this world, to bless this world, and to release righteousness and peace to every sphere that you're involved in. Marge, come and share what's in your heart. Hi, can you hear me? Okay, I won't be long because I'm aware the children have come in. But um, with Ian speaking about identity, um, and my heart is how does this fit for us all as family? Where does that work out in, within the church family? Um, um, what do I bring to the family when I know who I am in Christ? And when you begin to know who you are, you begin, you begin to discover how God has wired you, how he has made you. And I remember when I, be, I became a Christian and um, the church where we were had opened a coffee shop and they were looking for volunteers. They had paid staff and then they wanted volunteers. And I thought, I can bring this into the family because... Um, I know how to wait on tables. I'd done it as a teenager. I, I can help out there. I can help in the kitchen because I have rubber gloves. I travel with my rubber gloves that so I can wash up wherever I go and need to. I would never inflict my baking on the public, but my family are very gracious about my baking as long as it's covered in chocolate. So... And, and I went along and I put myself in because I thought, this is family and we all bring something to our natural family. We all have things that we do. And while I'm washing up, I'm getting to know people and I find that I'm actually an encourager, a prophetic encourager. And so just getting to know people and, and just encouraging them is, is what I brought to the family. And I'm just encouraging you to say, God, what can I bring to this family? How can I put myself in? And, and because I love to encourage others prophetically, you know, sometimes I love to just text somebody with an encouragement I know God has given me, not just a, oh, you know, you look great today, that kind of thing, but Lord, how can I encourage? And I'm just, for me, I'm encouraging you to start asking God, how have you wired me? Because he wants to show you how he's made you. We are each unique. We're made in his, in his image, but we're each unique. And once, you know, Ian spoke an identity. Once we know who we are, then he, we'll begin to find out how he has wired us. And I would encourage you to say, Lord, how have you made me? What, 
what is your passion? Because often what you are passionate about, passionate about is how he's wired you. How do I bring that into the church family in a practical way? And then how does that work out on a Monday morning, wherever we are in a sphere of influence? And when I worked in a school, I, you know, I had my appraisal at some point. And, and the thing was, she's a breath of fresh air, but I knew it was my just saying, God, show me how to be you in the, the workplace. How, are, how am I in you and how are you in me in the workplace? And so that what came out of my mouth was inspired by the Holy Spirit, which actually in, in the Passion Version in Romans 8.14, it says the mature children of God, we're all meant to grow up in the family, aren't we? We don't stay toddlers. The mature children of God are those... And in the Greek, it says, and only those who were moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And the mature sons and daughters of God are those who were moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit because we found who we are in Christ. We're finding it more and more. And we're learning to know our Father's voice through the Holy Spirit. So that is my encouragement to you. Um, and as Ian said, in the, trans, in the Passion Translation, it says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, which leads us back into fear of never being good enough. Whatever I do, is that good enough for God? I need to try harder. And I've lived like that. But I've realized that um, I didn't receive a spirit of a religious duty, but it was love. And so I live in his love. So that is my encouragement to you is find out where do I fit in this family? What can I bring of, of Jesus into this family of how he has made me? Because he wants us all to be a display of his splendor in, in the church family and in the workplace. But often the church family is where we learn and we learn how to work that out and we encourage one another in what we see of God in one another as well. So ask God, how have you wired me? Show me who you are in me and me in you. How do I bring that to the family and how do I bring it into my spheres of influence during the week? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ian and Marge. Um, this, I love that phrase, how has God wired me? Because that is a great segue into actually what we're going to be picking up on Wednesday. How has God wired me, Lord? Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester. 